Morning Dickinson from Western North Dakota. The men and women coming in, uh, in, in blue, coming at you straight off the cuff. Stumbling right out of the gates. We'll see how episode five goes now. Jeez. It's all off the cuff. That's, yeah. that's what we're about. Good morning, Lieutenant Hanel. Hey, good morning. How you doing? Um, things are good. Um, fall weather. Fall weather. And oh. school starting. So that's one and the same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, both of us being dads here, I think that that's uh, it's a big part of what today is going to be about. And uh, a big part of the conversation of our listeners there. So anybody who's tuning in, I think real quick, you need to uh, make sure as a parent, you know, share this and, and get them listening in. There's going to be some real critical things that I think will beneficial i think well. so yeah we've yeah. Uh, come a long ways with the uh, interaction with the school district as, as far as our relationship with the school resource program so we got uh, sergeant brian saki in here today to talk about that a little bit but uh, yeah it's uh, it's an exciting time my, uh, my boys are really excited to get back to school which is crazy uh, genetically i you know neither me or my wife were ones that really were excited about school but this year especially i think just coming off of the covid and the distance learning uh, yeah they're they're still gung-ho about wanting to go back to school that first day so that's always a good thing a couple little hellraisers yeah, absolutely the um, yeah, and, and the same for me. This is our first out of the gates, and so you got those those uh, first kid jitters, trying to figure this out. And um, you know, anybody that's hearing this, it's like parents. They, there is no book on this. Obviously, is, I've talked to I don't know how many different parents and you guys in the room here, which are fathers, and there's no rule book. And so none whatsoever. We're figuring it out as we go along yeah. here. And, off I, the cuff. and I would say a big shout out to the teachers too in our district. We got some phenomenal teachers and all last year how they had to uh, you know, do double effort on getting getting the distance learning thing figured out. And now that we're somewhat back to normal and hopefully uh, into smoother sailing uh, waters here for a little bit. But yeah, we have, you know, big shout out to you guys for uh, all you do for our kids and, and keeping our, our community uh, educated up. I know uh, some of the stuff that they were dealing with coming off of that COVID year and numbers that were withheld last year, certain parents not sending their kids because of different things happening with, with COVID. Um, you know, at the kindergarten class this year, talking to Mr. Luton early on, I think they went from a 350 expectation to like a 380 expectation within a day or two. Isn't that crazy? So, you know, the impacts from for them as an organization, definitely the heart goes out too because that's got to be, that's a difficult thing, I'm sure. Yeah. And so that's just, I know, I think you were saying at the kindergarten level, I'm, I'm sure there are other other stories there that could be had for the, the difficulties that they were dealing with. But I think it's a good one here for the parents listening. I mean, from the, the Dickinson Police Department standpoint, and correct me here, Mike, if you think I'm wrong, but you know, Chief Dossinger gets excited about a lot of different things. But when we start this discussion, that which he wanted very much for our listeners, talking about the kids and the youth and the schools, it might be um, the conversation that gets most serious uh, most quickly. I don't know. And it, it has to be the one that, that is the most beneficial to the community anyway, because it, it we're, we're fostering the future leaders of our community and, and getting them in, in uh, young, having that initial interaction with law enforcement right out of the gate. So we're, uh, you know, we're, we're viewed as partners and not, uh, you know, us against them. Um, that's that's uh, why it's been such high in the uh, priority list for us as a department to have a strong SRO program. So, uh, yeah, that's I, I, I agree with Chief on that, and, and I'm glad to see where we're at as, as far as the department and, and our interactions with the SRO program. Yeah, and I mean, from a, uh, we'll talk history today on a few different levels, but I mean, you and I both started here, and, and the program did not exist as far as yep. SRO, and, and now we are here today with uh, with several, and I think the aspirations of going bigger are uh, and doing more more things, uh, more things are definitely on the table. 
Yes, especially even that we're taking a lot of cues nationally. A lot of a lot of good programs that have been vetted over the years, and we're we're, we're getting really uh, deep into those programs, and and we're seeing we're reaping the benefits of that because of, of just the interactions that we're having with, with the, maybe even the the lack of interaction that we're having with with kids in, in the community as as far as in a negative basis, you know, them you know, committing crimes and and whatnot. It's still there, but uh, for the most part, uh, I think we're we're viewed as as cooperative in nature so yeah. it's it's paying it's reaping benefits oh well and, and and i i think to look at our page and if you go flip back through our social media feeds and and such and i would guess that three out of four of those feeds that hit that are, are community related and such that, that you know you cater and you put together my kids children you know a focus um, for many people in the department that are parents and, and we have a lot of young officers that are still kids at heart that love getting with those kids. I mean, right. so, you know, when they see them with the, uh, with their helmet and the ice cream, um, the ice, the free ice cream cone stickers and stuff yep. like that, handing them out, um, or just an opportunity at a lemonade stand. Um, you know, the list is what it is on our Facebook page, but people go take a look. We, we care about the kids. And, yeah. so. and it's just that, that one interaction that that kid might have, you know, really early on in their life. And they, they remember that, you know, I, I remember that, uh, you know, Dickens police officer early on, uh, you know, at, uh, at the daycare I was attending, you know, coming up and just you know, visiting with us a little bit. She wants the squad car honking the, the siren a little bit. And, you know, at, at, uh, right then and there, you, you just you, you make that initial first impression that law enforcement, uh, yeah, they're, they're here to help. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, uh, I know we don't have a lot of time with the man today. Maybe we should uh, kick it over for the introduction. Let's do it. Our yeah. special guest. <laughs> so, uh, Mr. Brandon Stocky, how are you doing this morning? Good, good. How is uh, how are things in in the world of uh, of Stocky's family and uh, what's happening? Um, kids are back in school. Got four kids. Three of them are in school. One's in college. So she's starting college. That's a um, huge thing as a parent. Kid graduated last year. Um, joined the National Guard and now going to college. Scary, scary times. Yeah, that's a, and we're going to talk about that here a little bit. I know, but. You know, I think for for the people listening, Brandon, there's a lot that are going to know you because you are a you're a local. You're a guy here that's uh, born and raised in the area, important part of uh, of the department and where we're going, and, and the type of people that are uh, great to have as employees for relationships with the community. So, um, why don't you t tell some of the listeners a little bit about yourself from the beginning? Yeah, I was um, raised in Richardson, North Dakota. So small town kid, you know, go Raiders. Go Raiders. Um, played nine man football, a um, little better than eleven man, not as cool as six man. <laughs> but played at nine man football, which is a fast action game. Um, graduated from Richardson in two thousand. Um, then after that, joined the army. Left for the active army on June fourth, two thousand one. So September eleventh coming up. So I thought I'd bring that up that I was actually in um, basic training in infantry school during September eleventh. Yeah. So that was kind of big actually being in and that happening. And How, uh, yeah, well, can, maybe you'll slow down and just talk a little bit. That, that's a pretty neat story. What, uh, where were you at and, and how did that thing all unfold in front of you? How do you remember it? Yeah, we were um, in infantry school um, at a live fire range, um, buddy team movement. So one guy shoots, one guy um, takes cover, that kind of thing. And they stopped all training and told us that, take our stuff off and hang out. So we actually thought we were just having some downtime, which never happens. <laughs> um, you know, no radio, no TV, no phone back then, nothing. So we knew nothing going on. Um, we sat there for a couple hours. Um, drill sergeants came back, loaded us in a bus, and took us back to the chow hall, which we watched it on TV then. So kind of big eye opener. Um, you know, joining the Army pre-war 20-some years ago, and then getting into that after that. 
was. What what drew you into that and wanted to go to active? Uh, All right family members. Yeah. yeah, family members were joined, were in. Um, had a couple of uncles that retired from the military, so that kind of thing. What about family thing? Why the army itself? What, what was the draw to the army? Oh, um, my grandma wouldn't let me be a marine. Her, her <laughs> husband, my grandpa was a marine, so she said that that was off limits. Did um, you ever share that story with Sergeant Mosier? No, I have not. Yet, <laughs> but so I joined the army. Um, didn't seem like the thing to do. Went infantry con- contract and airborne school. So you remember, you know. So how old were you then, Brandon? Again at that Eight. time. 18. Just 18. Yeah. I know 17, 18, 19. Yeah. But <clears throat> is it, could you feel the hair on your arms raise? I mean, you guys as young young men at that time, do you remember any of that sorts of feelings or the talks or what was, you know, watching that thing unfold? How did that all, can you elaborate um, at all on that? Yeah, it was kind of, I mean, it was exciting. I mean, you're young, young, and that's what you join to do. And um, it was kind of like just exciting. Un- the unreal feeling is happening. Um, drill sergeants yelling at you that you're going to war, you're all going to die. You know, <laughs> kind of amped up that training. Um, my actually the guy who my battle buddy or my guy, the guy who slept above me in the bunk was from New York, um, from New York City. So it hit him hard. So I got to see that yeah. emotions. He got to call home, make sure all his family's okay. So that was kind of you know being a North Dakota kid. Because where were you guys at at that time? Fort Benning, Georgia. In Fort Benning. Yeah. From New York, did he did he have any family or anybody impacted by that? Obviously, yeah, impacted. Not, they were all okay. Are okay. Like none were in um, the towers or anything. So sure. And so now you were you're with like the hundred first at this time, right? No, but I was it's just in training still. Just in training. Yeah. Okay. What what at what point? Because uh, you, you eventually wound up with, with the one one, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, got done with infantry school. Um, then went to airborne school. I had a unassigned airborne contract to call it. So I went to airborne school. I did that. Um, decided to join airborne. I was scared of heights. I wanted to overcome that fear. It worked. Um, so I got to go through that three-week process of jumping out of planes, which was exciting. That, that baffles me. You know, I, I've had a pilot's license, uh, but, but as long as I've had a driver's license, and it, it, never, it baffles my mind that anybody would want to jump out of a perfectly good airplane. But what what, what drew you to that? Yeah. Yeah. Besides just the heights. That's... Yeah, I was scared of heights. I wanted to overcome it, and it was it was fun. It was. Um, you know that it's a rush. You jump out. Um, it's really windy. You have a lot. You free fall for that four seconds before your chute opens automatically, and it's just windy. And you see playing ground and sky, and then all of a sudden it's just quiet. That chute opens and it's just quiet. That it's peaceful, and you know you jump from twelve hundred feet. So, so how many jumps do you have to make before you before you get qualified? Five. Five. Yep. Five jumps in everyone's school, and then you're qualified. Any of those nighttime jumps in? Is that nope, have, all did, day have you ever done a nighttime jump? I have, yes. How, how do those, I've always wondered that. How, how do you, I mean, daytime you see, you see the ground come and you can prepare and do your parachute landing fall, you know, and yeah. tuck and roll. But how do you do that at night when you don't you see guess. You guess? You guess. You guess. It's an educated guess when you feel the ground hit. <laughs> did um, you ever have an interest in the, uh, the halo stuff, any of the high altitude? No. No, that's a little too, too high for me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know. Yeah, and I can't I can't say too much for this, as you know, Brendan. I am deathly afraid of heights. So yep, yep. eight feet off on a ladder and going over a ledge four stories high, yep. watching me white knuckle that thing. Yeah, and shake like a leaf. Shake. Yeah. I, I think a lot of us were wishing we had a camera that day. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. for the listeners, that was a uh, that was a SWAT training course that uh, they just said to go do some rappel on that day off the tower. Yeah, we went to Minot, right? A little Minot. Yeah, I would prefer we don't elaborate too much of to the listeners here, so they can't hear. But yes, it was. It was a, <laughs> it was a traumatic experience in my life yeah. that uh, uh, going over the edge of that four story there, and then and actually uh, the tenant, there is a video that does exist. But oh, oh we got to track that down somehow. 
much. Yep. Yeah. Good he Christmas go, party material. He tried to go faster before anybody could see it, um, but we got it on video. That's so. a true story. I tried to get Heard over to the other first. side before you guys could watch me because I knew you'd be videoing me. <laughs> yeah. Scared. But <laughs> good stuff. Yeah. The, uh, you know, and, and being born and raised, and you're back here now, but taking off on this journey, I mean, uh, and you'll reflect 20 years. Sometimes you got to stop in a conversation like that and think about it a long time, yep. you know, and doing, doing that for the guard and, you know, even for us at work with you, Brandon, thank you for doing that. Um, you know, and appreciate the service there, but the, some of the specifics, I mean, talk, talk about how, how, the things that you did a little bit, maybe elaborate on what you want, uh, the experiences where you traveled to Africa, right? Yep. right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I joined active army first, like I said, went to airborne school after that, um, Graduating airborne school, that's when I got my orders to go to Fort Campbell, Kentucky with the 101st. Um, that was exciting um, because I like history, and the 101st is a huge history in World War II, the Battle of the Bulge, everything else. Um, so it was cool to go with that a unit like that with that history behind them. Um, so went to Fort Campbell, got there, got to my unit, um, learned what that, how that plays out, what you do there. And then got deployed in 03 to Iraq uh, when the Iraq war kicked off. So I was there for a year, a little over a year. Um, got to see American military might at its finest. And after Iraq, I was still in for about, now, about a year and then got out of the Army and moved back to Dickinson, North Dakota. So that time, you know, spent, um, you know, a lot of literature out there. That, how much did you grow as a, as a young man? Oh, a lot, yeah. Um, you know, going to, deploying to Iraq, you um, you grow a lot seeing that and going through that. Um, just seeing a third, third world country and how they live. Um, you are very blessed to be from where we are and, you know, have all the um, stuff we have. I went three months without a shower. First time I got wet was in the Euphrates River, which is probably one of the dirtiest rivers in the world. I've heard this, yeah. Yeah, and that was the first time I got wet after three months and changed clothes, so that was kind of nice. Um, so, yeah, I got to experience a lot of nifty things. Early on, you talk about um, your daughter and, and stuff. Is um, How excited are you to know that uh, you get some uh, family history passed down here now or the lineage and the... Um, um, what I want to say here, for lack of a better word here, you know, you get to pass on this military tradition to her, and she's going on with it? Yep, yep. Um, yeah, so after I got out of the active army, I joined the North Dakota National Guard. I'm still currently in there, and yeah, she followed our, my footsteps, my wife's footsteps. Um, my wife was in the National Guard as well, and she joined and um, just came back from her basic in AIT in, well, two weeks ago, she got back, so okay. it's kind of nice to see her career take off and see where that leads her. Sure. It, what's her MOS? Um, ADA, Air ADA. Defense Artillery. Yeah. For those listeners that don't know, what's MOS? Um, their job in the military. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so, at some point here, um, law enforcement comes into play. Yep. How did how does that come into the scope? Um, so I came out of the army in two thousand and five. Um, moved back home to Richardson. Um, kind of between jobs, figuring out what I want to do for a living and started working at the jail and from the jail i realized i liked that um that for, that responded that first responded at law enforcement career that you know you get tight with the people you work with so i applied for the pd in 08 and got hired in august of 08. Gotcha. 
And a little bit as your career has progressed here, maybe for the listeners, or how has your career progressed with the PD? Um, yeah, I started out on patrol, um, like everybody does, you know, stopping speeders, chasing calls, all that fun stuff, and then um, got promoted to corporal a couple, three years later, and stayed on patrol for a while, got moved to investigations to do a year rotation back there, um, so did that for a year, got moved back to patrol, then I got moved back to investigations again, and did, I think, another year, and then got offered a position as an SRO. Um, we had an SRO that was leaving, so got an offer position at the high school, and decided to take that, and the rest is history. I think at that time, you were the, the sole SRO. We hadn't, we hadn't expanded the program yet, right? Correct. That was yeah. the only one, yeah. That's right. You think you're leaving out a big part of it, though, here, a big part of the career. You're thinking big time, uh, a big part of what you served as a secondary duty here for the police department. Not SWAT. Oh, yeah, the SWAT team. Yeah, yeah. did that for a while. Yeah, did that for a long time, actually, ten, eight, nine years, ten years probably. So, How uh, how, how is the balance for you and being uh, in, in the guards and pairing that up as a first responder and shift work? Can you share that all? I mean, there's there's a few that do it, and but it's a unique thing, and I yeah. think it would be worth talking about for, for people. Yeah, it's tough, um, especially on the shift work side. It was easier as my career progressed, and I went to Monday through Friday. Um, but beginning with the shift work, um, the guards takes a weekend a month out of that. And if you only have two weekends off with your family, that takes one of those weekends. So you only have one weekend off. Um, so it's, it's tough. It's tough to balance both. Um, both of them are careers. Uh, both of them offer different schools, different things, different trainings, and it's hard to decide which way you want to go on it. Um, you got to decide which one's be your priority, and I picked law enforcement first, and but still in the guard, retire October of next year with 21 years in, so I'm kind of excited. Right yeah. at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. yeah. You, uh, you, you think about being a local guy, born and raised, guards, you get to branch out, you get to touch the rest of the world at some point, right, at some level of your life yep. and have these experiences with some different cultures and becoming more, we'll just use worldly. Um, and then you come back and now you got your family here and your kids and stuff and you're serving your own community here. You know, many kids, they, you know, they have a perception when they're, when they're growing up, um, we're talking about schools and education today. So I find this a little bit relevant that, you know, they leave, they want to go and they want to go do all these other things. They want to leave home, leave home, leave home. Um, and, and you're kind of an example where you left home, you're kind of back here. Can you talk maybe message that a little bit to, you know, the young folks that, you know, that are going through the same thing? Yeah, I mean, um, experience it. Go, you'll you'll realize that what brings it back to North Dakota, um, the people, um, the culture here, um, how it's slower paced in those big cities. I lived outside of Nashville for a while, um, spent a lot of time in Nashville, and that's just it's crazy. Um, different culture, different aspect of life. And so you get to come back here and realize what, why you enjoy it here. I mean, most people do come back, and that's good. I mean, we live in God's country. So it's great. <laughs> yeah. um, so you had Africa, you talked about Iraq, any other countries you were visiting? Um, no, no. And yeah, I went to Africa two years ago, I think. Um, spent two weeks there. Um, I actually got tasked to train um, police tactics to the Benin military police. Um, went to Benin, Africa. How, so many, the, how many was that? There was 23 in the class. Um, so taught them for two weeks. That was really interesting. Again, a third world country. Just to see how they live their life is always interesting. What kind of stuff did they want to learn about American law enforcement? Um, just about what we do, um, our tactics, our use of force. I learned their use of force is different. Like here, 
someone comes at you with a knife, you can use deadly force to protect yourself, you can use a gun. I said that to that class, they all kind of got freaked out because <laughs> they're, in their country, their rules is someone comes after your knife, you have to have a knife as well. So that's the whole bring a gun to a knife fight doesn't work there. <laughs> knife, knife and a knife. Wow. So yeah, I got the, um, it was tough. They, it's a French speaking country. So I did go through a translator. So that was kind of goofy to teach and have a translator translate for you. Um, so you had to have that pause and I talk fast anyway. So that was tough, but it was a good learning experience. Um, what was the age group? Do you know how old they were? In their 20s. 20? Yeah. All men, men and women? All, a couple women, yeah. There were a couple women in there. Yep. I say that as obviously in Africa, you know how different cultures rest. Yeah. With some of that. So. Yeah, and I thought it was, um, talking about women and men, I, the translator we had was a female. And as we progressed in our relationship, getting to know each other, she told me and my buddy who was with me that um, she was Muslim and that her best friend's Catholic. And how they go to each other's holidays, um, they go to each other's different traditional holidays and how it's not an issue there, uh, which was nice. I mean, that's kind of cool that they can bridge that religion gap when you have that issue in third world, third world countries. So, so you mentioned, uh, obviously, it was a police mission down in Africa, and, and pair that into maybe, how is the mission for North Dakota National Guard now? How has that changed from when you first got into where it's kind of almost more of a military police-type uh, mission for the most part? Is that specific for your unit or statewide? Or? Yeah, um, so I'm a military police officer now with National Guard. Um, so that has changed from when I was infantry. Um, and just how the United States itself has changed um, with that and with that response. Um, North Dakota responded to Apple, as we know that, um, to give that civil, civil support. I did go to DC in the inauguration day this last year um, for civil support there. So there's a lot of those civil support missions now that the Guard's taking over to help local law enforcement, which is nice. There were several stories ran about the Guards out there during the Capitol time. Was that part of the, the group that you were with? Yep, um, I was in that beautiful parking garage. Um, yep. It actually wasn't bad. It was, you know, heated. Um, it was nice. We were there for a couple hours, so taken care of. Yeah, taken yeah. care of. And, yeah, yeah, because we joked about that a little bit when we were back, and it was the your 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 first hand take of that was a little bit different than what was uh, published. Yeah, correct, correct. Um, but you know, after being in the military for that long, you get used to sleeping anywhere, so. To me, it was no big deal. To other people, it might have been a bigger deal. Op optics, yeah, generally, yeah. yeah. Brandon, it's fall, it's school, and th things have um, increasingly uh, fell onto our um, the school resource officers' world. I guess in the last few years, from the growth end of it, and just to daily job responsibilities. Obviously, you know, I, I have you right now, right? We work together all the time and that communication is, uh, I mean, it's every day, multiple times a day. There's, you know, fire and stuff back and forth and it's, it's, a, it's a busy pipeline uh, for our agency. And so maybe uh, let's, let's talk, uh, you're, because you are, I think our longest tenured SRO maybe now, if Correct. not right yep. there um, and give, a little bit of the history of our SRO uh, department, maybe talk our people through the mission and understanding what our SROs are, are doing there, what we want them to be doing, and we'll go from there. Yeah, um, so the department started with the, fir the first F SRO in January of 2007, so that's before I started here. I think you guys were both working here. 
I was not yet. Um, but January of 07 is when we first started having SRO in the schools, um, based out of the high school. And that was status quo um, until I took over later on. I think I started four or five years ago in SRO world. Um, and same thing, I was only one for the first two years I did it. And then the school district and us um, had some conversations and got a second SRO. Why? Um, population growth. Our schools got bigger. Um, schools got busier. The new middle school was, being, was built. Um, so that was 6th, 7th, and 8th grade together before it was 7th um, and 8th grade at Hagen, 6th grade was at Berg, if everybody remembers that. Um, so that population growth, they felt a need for it. We were, I was getting busier in the schools trying to respond to our seven elementary schools, our middle school and our high school. Um, so yeah, so we got a second SRO, um, put that SRO, I was Officer Winery at the time, put her at the middle school, and she was there for a couple years. And then two years ago, Again, the school district and us had a conversation. We had got a third SRO starting this last year, this year. So this year, no, last year. Last year we had a third SRO started. That was Taylor Peters, and he's at the high school now. And all those buckets have quickly been filled, would you yeah. say, with, I mean, as far as their day-to-day -day stuff and, you know, what, what we're expecting them to do or being busy? Yeah, yeah. So they, um, like our mission or our um, job in a school, I think people believe that we are there just to, I guess to put it bluntly, harass kids, um, get them in trouble. But that's not our job at all. We're there to um, educate. We teach a lot of classes. Our SROs are in the classes, classrooms, talking to kids, teaching them either DARE. We have a DARE program for the city where we teach all fifth graders and seventh grade DARE. Um, we also, they're just in there having those conversations with the kids about like driving, um, talking about what's legal, what's not legal, why you get stopped by the police, how to act when you get stopped by the police, um, and answer any of those questions high school and middle school kids have about our job. Um, then we're also there as informal counselors. Kids just pop in our office just to talk. You know, they went out this weekend and they seen something and they want to talk to someone. So they come in and talk to us about it. Um, and then we're there for safety and security of the school. You know, anything that happens on campus, we're ultimately responsible for the safety of, the, of our kids and our staff members. So that's why we're there. Those are our big three things. What about some of the programs that are, are primarily ran through our SROs? Can you talk about a few of those that uh, the SROs are, are doing in the schools right now that parents might want to hear about? And Yeah, like I said, um, DARE's a big one. Um, with DARE, we teach all fifth graders and all seventh graders, and that's, that's really big. We started that four years ago, and we've grown with that program. I think we have seven DARE officers now. So we teach that. Um, and this, this, is, this is like a different type of D.A.R.E. Because I, th I think there's some, some misconception, maybe not say around here, but in the United States that, you know, D.A.R.E. was originally the just say no type of thing, right? Yeah. And that's the old D.A.R.E. program. And this, this is an entirely new program uh, within the last, how many, how many years do you think since this new one is rolled out? I think out? they changed it seven years ago. About seven years yeah. ago. So what's the, can you highlight some of the main differences between old school D.A.R.E., if I should call yeah. that, and, and, and today's D.A.R.E.? Yeah, um, that old school D.A.R.E., what you think a lot of our age remembered it, when you went to D.A.R.E. when you were a kid, was those pictures of before and after using those scare straight tactics they used. Um, that showed that that didn't work, doesn't work. Um, you can't really scare a kid straight. Um, it doesn't work at all. So they revamped it, and now it's all about decision-making. So we go through different decisions on everything you do in life. You have to, every day you have to make a decision from waking up and eating breakfast or not, and how that decision can have a negative or positive consequence to the rest of your day. Um, so that's basically 
in a nutshell, what we talk about is decision-making and how to have those excuses when you're in bad situations, um, using your parents, texting them, having them pick you up, um, how, how you can do that and how that can look and make you not look like, um, you know, that's a good kid or that, you know, getting peer pressure to do it, how to get away from peer pressure, stuff like that. Have, have you been able to gauge, like, like response or an effectiveness? Do you have any, like, maybe anecdotal case studies on, on uh, you know, any, or any examples of kids that, that might have come up to you afterwards and say, yeah, yeah I use this, te- you know, this technique or got me out of a situation or? Um, yeah, I mean, the big thing it does for us is it gets us in front of those kids um, and those kids remember us. I have, we have kids who graduated two years ago, three years ago, that still remember us from teaching them there. Um, it's hard to show what a program like this can do because you can't show that a kid would have or would not have committed a crime. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that just showing those kids how they bonded with us, how they trust us now, getting those uniforms in front of those kids is just a win for us as a department. Because I think a lot of listeners that will uh, you know tune in that are paying attention to the parent and the drug stocks, like, it's a problem right now among our youth. We, yep. we know that as far as substance abuse, you know, to a degree. Yep. And, you know, we have a program like this and, uh, you know, it's been there for four years and stuff. So I think it's important that you highlight, you know, some of these, these maybe even uh, secondary or third, you know, uh, impacts of it. Not necessarily like a kid doesn't ever do drugs, but there's some other things there that, um, you know, you can highlight for them. Yeah, there's some other programs we do. Um, we do... Um, driver's Ed in the summer help with that with Alive at 25. We kicked that off this last summer. That's What's a, Alive at 25? Um, it's a program on just um, texting and driving, driving safe. Um, it's a state program. Um, Officer Peters does it, so he would know more about it than I would. But mm-hmm. it's a good, it's a good program for that. Just keeping those kids safe on the road. Okay. Okay. And um, current day now we. We got some things in the future. I think um, our SOs are going to be a part of that. That the moms and dads want to hear uh, in the schools. Right? We've been just just before we got in here. Coffee talk related to uh, in the spring launch in 2022. Our CTE program potentially. Yep. Um, with the schools changing to a CTE based program um, with different career um, routes, kids can choose and go to. Uh, we are launching a law enforcement track. Um, or criminal justice track in the schools. Um, so I'll start this spring. We're excited about it. Um, excited to have our SROs and our other staff members um, teach kids in school on what criminal justice does and what law enforcement does. So that'll be a track we're going to go down and keep, and it's going to replace our youth academy. Yeah, that's, that was going to be the thing I brought up here is the youth academy, because prior prior to this, you kind of ran the youth academy yeah. for several years as well. And um, do you do you kind of envision it being kind of run similar to that, or what? What are what are some of the maybe the topics or the the aspects that we're going to cover in the CTE? Yeah, it's going to curriculum. Um, so it's going to cover criminal justice as a whole. So it's going to cover everything from law enforcement, corrections, um, prosecution. So we'll have prosecutors come in and do some talks. Um, so it's going to co- cover that big umbrella of what criminal justice does. And so, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm super excited about it. The school's excited about it. Um, I think some of the kids are excited about it. So, Are there going to be any hard skills, you know, as part of this, or this is going to be all, you know, soft skills stuff? Yeah, they're going to do um, some ride-alongs with us. Um, they'll do our virtual machine, which is be fun for them. Um, some handcuff techniques, stuff like that. Um, no real shooting, you know, but... Yeah. 
And I think, I mean, a punchline to this for when you're, if you're hearing this is like, we want moms and dads to be raising good children that want to serve their community, stay here and work for the Dickinson Police Department. Not yeah, yeah or any um, first responders. I think we're all hurting for that. It's this, this generation doesn't seem like it's staying away from that aspect of life. So just trying to get that um, back into them, that helping their community out. Um, you know, even if they go on their bad side and go on fire, it's still okay. They're still helping their community. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we had Kelly Armstrong, obviously, a couple uh, episode ago here, and, and one of his big things was uh, stressing the importance of, importance of, of hiring local and, and recruiting local because, you know, of, of every, any type of field or industry or something like that. So it, it's uh, uh, programs like this that are going to really reinforce that, you know, we want to keep local and, and you just automatically have that community connection already started. So the big importance of that. Yeah. yeah I think, in, and it all pairs in with, you know, Chief Dossinger's ambitions and mission and, uh, you know, some of the achievements with moving forward with our public safety center here locally, the CTE thing, trying to build a, a hub of, of you, you refer just first responder sort yeah. of uh, uh, breeding grounds uh, for our folk here, because that's, it's a big part of uh, long-term employees for us. Yeah. So. You know, times have changed over the years, O'Brien, right? From 2007 when this thing began in the schools, a little bit from, you know, the criminal justice system, philosophies, things like that. And, you know, you were here when you, you weren't an SRO. Um, what are, in, in your opinion, what are some of those changes that you've, you've watched over time to where we are now? This year, we've just had some meetings this year with some of the legislative stuff and uh, some stuff that the listeners would want. And I, and I think those changes, you could talk about pairing them with the big stuff you guys get from parents or people in the community, um, their questions or when they have issues with how something is done. So, you know, there's a few things there you could ju you jump off into, but. Um, yeah, so, I mean, the big change is, is that juvenile court um, reform act that took place this year, where it's just before there was, you know, um, a kid committed a crime, we cited a kid. And so, you know, the can you give a specific on a crime? So that's um, like, a fel like a felony or above, you know, a kid, um, a major assault in a school, um, a threat of serious injury or death in a school, we would that kid would get arrested and taken to YCC in Bismarck or Mandan um, Youth Correctional Center. Um, the big change on that now is now you have, there's more steps involved with that kid. You have to, you can't just, we don't, we went away a long time ago from locking kids up and just leaving them there. Now we're more into um, controlling that um, action or controlling that change in behavior. So there's more um, mental health support through the courts, more um, emotional support that's now taking place. Okay, uh, it, it's still there if, if if a crime is egregious enough. Yes, yeah. has to be a, so. To go to YCC now or Youth Correctional Center it has to be a felony or above, um, with that um, serious bodily injury or death. Okay, now there's uh, some criteria that you guys have to follow as part of that too. Is you guys have a, a form and such like that that the juvenile courts make us use? Yep, yep. There's a um, like a matrix form. You get a score, pretty much scoring a kid, um, filling out some boxes about what the crime was, um, some background of the kid to see if they scored high enough to go to the correctional center. And, and that was developed, I believe, by our, our juvenile division? Correct. From the state, yes. 
Yeah. Um, some other big changes that happened since I started. It used to be eight years old to commit a crime in North Dakota. Now it's 10. Um, so that was a change that took place a couple years ago. So you have to be 10 years old to be criminally capable of a crime. Um, before 10, they cannot be. And then um, the, the tobacco change that President Trump took or put in place that went from 18 to 21. Now it's a you know, big change for us as a, in the schools um, because now it's everybody, no matter if they're a senior in high school at 18, they still can't possess tobacco. And we've seen those numbers skyrocket in really? the last couple of years. Okay. The um, parents' questions for you guys, and you know, if you get if you get an angry parent calling in, he's like, "Well, what good are you doing right there? What what do you you know? Aren't you guys supposed to be this? They're supposed to be doing that." Uh, those conversations that you know that we've all had to get on our end, um, understanding them, like your your role again there, what some of the work through the steps there when a situation happens at the school with the kid, how you move forward with your decision making and process. Yeah, I guess. I guess the big thing is it's tough with parents when they call and their son or daughter is a victim of a crime because they want to know who did it to them, right? You want to know which kid hurt your kid, and they want to make sure that something's done with that kid. Well, how the juvenile system works is they're juveniles. I can't give that information out. So that's right away a big headbutting session with me and that victim's parents because they want, like I said, they want to know, as a parent, I would want to know too. Who hurt my kid and are you going to do something to that kid to make sure that kid doesn't hurt my kid again are the big questions you get um it's like i said it's tough because you can't give the information out you just got to assure them that yes we're taking those steps we are um doing those steps that we're supposed to do to make sure your that your son or daughter is safe and that kid sees us stay in court um but it's hard to get that through without giving that information out because you're not you're not allowed to what about hard numbers uh dive into some of that uh, that you've watched over the last few years that you think would be important for some listeners to maybe would catch them off guard. Um, Vaping, cell phones, you know where I'm going with this. So um, let's talk about that and anything else that maybe you think is relevant, but uh, the the big stuff that's a chore for you guys. Yeah, um, vaping is a huge issue in our schools um, and in just our juvenile population as a whole, not even in the schools, but in our community. Last year, with the hybrid system that was in place with COVID, like you guys talked about earlier last year, it's a goofy year. We still had 33 tobacco violations in the high school. Um, that's down from 54 the year before. Um, so they're, our SROs are catching kids with tobacco, mostly vapes, every day almost. And it, so it's classified as so a tobacco violation in our system. It, that, it could, could, could include a, a vape yep, then as yep, well? Yeah, okay. it's a vape, anything that has nicotine in it. Um, be it a vape, um, regular cigarettes, um, chewing tobacco, stuff like that. What are some of the devices you're pulling off of kids that, that are that are vape-related and something for parents to keep an eye out for? Yeah, um, I mean, they're nifty. I've seen, we I, we got a watch once that looked like an eye watch, like, an eye, like a regular old smart watch, and you took the face off it, then that was a vape itself. So they're, these vape companies are being creative with how they make them. Um, they, I went to the vape store to look at the watch after I found it on a kid, just to see it again, see how, it, how much it sells for, just kind of educate myself on it. And the guy who at the vape store told me they sell it to bikers, pedal bikers. You know, so when you're pedaling your bike, you can still vape, is what he told me. But <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's unique. Um, okay. So 
those and then everything that looks from like little flash drives it look like to bigger you know vapes they're all different shapes sizes colors um flavors i mean you name it they have them made so how many you know tobacco versus the marijuana um vapes thc uh, the wax and stuff like that can you talk about the differences there or how is that playing trendy right now yeah um so yeah thc THC vape devices are big. Um, we're seeing a lot more of that. I think we already got a couple this year. In the school year, we're only a couple weeks in school. Um, last year, we had 16 drug arrests at the high school. Um, I'm guessing a majority of them were the THC vapes. Um, those are hard to, for parents, to tell the difference between that and a regular vape. Um, you have to kind of know what you're looking for. And most time with kids, is they're honest with us and they tell us when we catch them that, yeah, this is a THC vape. Um, that's all. Those are coming from those legalized states, those um, Colorado, Washington areas where it's legal for it, and that's where they're being manufactured at. And yeah, it's just a new trend that we're seeing, a new way to um, do drugs. Any advice to parents from from your end that could, could could help your job be a little bit easier inside the schools? Um, I guess just having that conversation with your kids, talking to them about this kind of stuff that there is, you know vapes out there and the dangers of that um, for a health consequence later on. Um, just having that open conversation and just watching your kid. Because many kids, it seems like when they when this gets brought up, they come back with right away the wherever they read it or they saw it, that this, is, this isn't bad for us like a cigarette. Yeah. Yeah, so. that's what they believe. That's how they, yeah, that's what they believe in. But we're seeing as we, you know, vaping still a newer um, way to ingest tobacco and um, THC than Cigarettes have been, cigarettes have been here since, I don't know, beginning of time probably. Um, and we, so we know the health consequences of cigarettes because we've studied it so long. Vaping's new, but we're already seeing that health consequence with that popcorn lung and those other issues that people are getting from it. Sure. What else? Um, assaults. I mean, we see fights. Um, high school kids and fights have been happening as well since there's been school. So that's nothing new, but, and it's not going up or down, staying the same, but there's fights in the school um, and disorderly conducts. And that's a lot of that um, mental health aspect we're seeing in society now and in our local area and nationwide. Um, there needs to be more mental health help for kids and adults. And we're seeing some of that impact with our youth for disorderly conducts when they act out in school. Are you aware of anything through your training, you know, school resource stuff? Because one, one of your titles in the state uh, as, for, through your school resource position is out loud. I'll, I'll botch the title of it there for the state. You are a director? Sorry. I am the SRO regional rep for the Southwest. There you go. Yeah. So through the, you know, those contacts and those committees and stuff like that, mental health end of it, how much are they talking at all about that being attributed with cell phone devices, screen time access through certain things? social media platforms is yeah. that yeah that is um talked about a lot um you know every we're in that technology age where everything you do is with either a computer or a cell phone um something along a smart tv along those lines and that's what these kids are getting that stuff from um i have that talk a lot with parents with just that aspect of when we were younger compared to these kids now um, when i was younger growing up in richton i knew what's going on in richton that's it. These kids know everything now. Because everything's on the touch of their finger. They, every song they listen to talks about drugs or alcohol or tobacco, even country songs. Um, everything they watch on TV has that, has that violence in there or that 
drug or alcohol relation. So they're getting just so much of it pushed on them that they know so much more than we did when we were younger. And, you know, when you're dealing with that age group as a teenager, brain's still developing. Kelly had told us, I think, in the last one, I liked it, to, to coin it. It used to be, you know, treat others how you want to be treated. Now it should be like, well, if I wouldn't say it to your face, I shouldn't say it to, with my thumbs. thumbs. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And uh, we just see so much of that, right? Yes. You know, from the investigation world, I, cell phone devices that we get, we end up confiscating for, for stuff like this. Can you talk, elaborate the history of how that's kind of been working over the last few years? And Yeah, um, we... We pull a lot of cell phones for um, either that cyberbullying, which we see see us in the schools, or um, any inappropriate pictures, um, that sexting side of things. Um, you have to be eight, 18 years old to send and receive naked pictures of another 18-year-old. You know, and these kids are, there's kids that do it when they're younger than that, and we have to deal with that for that crime. Um, so, yeah, a lot of cell phones get pulled. Um, and then we hook them up to our cool device we have and get all that information off and then educate those kids about that crime. Parents, that age range from when you first started till now, okay, and you correct me if I'm, I'm wrong on this, Brandon, but has probably uh, went down you know, a couple of years to the kids that are actually uh, with that kind of behavior that we've we've came across is that yeah. safe to say or not yep yep I, I deal with elementary kids with that behavior with that either that bowling or those pictures on their phones um all the way to high school kids i mean it touches everybody um touches all that at those ages of kids i know there's there's some uh, don't don't cite me on this but you know there's a, a neat documentary out there the social dilemma uh, familiar with or not but at the end of it it talks some whistleblowers in there that are talking about they're the developers of these platforms and such well then at the very end of it they're across the wide spectrum of these tech companies and at the end of it um on this you know blanket statement here so correct me if it's it's, it's wrong to some extent but almost all of them do not let their children have smart devices until is it like 16, 17, 18? And then there's some that don't even allow screen time at home with, with, with a device at all. It was pretty alarming. The people, the very people that have designed these platforms, knowing that these platforms are targeted at, you know, getting this kid's attention on all the stuff that's put in front of them. I think it's, it's interesting for parents to hear. Yes, uh, it is. It's, um, and it's, like you said earlier in the beginning, there's no playbook on being a parent. So you got to figure out what works for your kids and yourself, how you feel, what you feel safe with and not. Um, I, me and my, my wife don't let any of our kids have any social media until they turn 18. That's the rule we had. My daughter graduated from high school and still had friends, still went to places, still got invited through text messages. So that does happen. They don't need that Snapchat and Twitter and Facebook and everything else. Um, but you have to decide as a parent yourself what you want to do, how strict you want to be and don't want to be. I'm a big believer that Kids, when it's bedtime, turn their phones in upstairs, stays close to you. They don't need to be in their phone all night. But again, you got to figure out what you're comfortable with. Sure. Yeah, because there's just so much at stake. I mean, you almost feel bad for kids nowadays. I mean, even, you know, as parents, you know, the, the, the world that these kids are growing up doing. And Brandy, you had talked about the pressures that on the, earlier, how all the pressures that these kids, that our kids are facing nowadays. So, as, you know, you as a parent, taking that, that strong stance and, and, you know, um, not allowing that that sort of technology don't don't enable that. I mean, we we all know the dangers of it. I mean, that's um, it, and and for us as parents, we're kind of the ones that that have to kind of stand up and, and ensure that our kids are free of that stuff. And I think, to develop. Yeah, and I think um, 
uh, even as us adults, we go through down down that same road. Yeah. I mean, how often are we talking, grab our phone, and go turn on Facebook real quick or something like uh, that? I mean, we even have to disconnect and learn those limits. Which so for adults, if it's tough, I mean, without that control on a kid, it's gonna be just as tough, right? Or tougher for a kid. Be vigilant. I mean, you got to stay vigilant. We all get complacent in this room from time to time. But the reminder, I think the message out of this to those that are listening is you um, just, just stay vigilant. And I think our, our parents' generation, the Britannica, going and finding an encyclopedia, you know, when they wanted something. And they might not even find the encyclopedia, so they might <laughs> they might go without an answer for a decade. Yeah. But, you know, for the kids now, it's just, hey, Siri. Yeah. Right? And yep. there it is in my phone, just jived. I just, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it's in front of them. So, man, yeah. That's it's, crazy. It's crazy how much technology has moved since even 2000 till now. You know, look at a hybrid last year with kids staying at home and learning a school lesson from at home on a tablet. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was unheard of in our, when we were in school. So it's kind of just a nifty, it, there's been good things about technology and then there's been bad things. So just be careful with it. Yeah. Where do you see the future of the SRO position going? You know, even whether it be just here locally, some of the talks that we've had that I know we're familiar with off camera and stuff you could share all. Where's kind of where's this thing trending for you in your head and what you guys is are, what you guys are going and gals are going to be expected? Yeah. Um, well, I think we're blessed to be where we're at, you know, in Southwest North Dakota and North Dakota in general. Um, we had that big movement the last couple of years with trying to get cops out of schools. Um, there's that national movement of that side saying they're not needed there. They, you know, getting kids in trouble where we added at the same time, we added positions here and North Dakota itself added positions in schools because we see the benefit of that um, the benefit of those cops in the schools helping our kids. Um, so I think we'll keep on going down that road. Um, our school district's growing. Um, our community is growing, which is awesome. I'm excited. Hopefully, you know, that brings more businesses in more stuff for us and our kids to do. And with that, I think our um, SRO program is going to grow. I think we'll add some positions as the years go on and get more cops in schools and keeping kids safe. Gotcha. Well, we know it's not a perfect system, uh, but it, it's pretty good, I think, and our community feedback has been uh, pretty outstanding as we've talked throughout this. And then I think that uh, for our listeners uh, following our school resource officers, paying attention to them, maybe learning more about them, what's going on, you got a couple avenues for them? Yeah, um, we got our own um, Facebook page, Dickinson, North Dakota, Police School Resource Officers. Um, we have it on Facebook, so definitely like that, follow that. We put a lot of good information out. And then um, the Dickinson regular PD Facebook page as well. Um, we kind of piggyback off each other. So all that good information there, or just find us in a school. Yeah. Talk to us, um, you know, come up, meet, introduce yourself, get to meet us. We'll help. We'll tell you what's going on with kids and trends and stuff like that so and we also have the, the text to tip program that you're that yes, you're running yes. as well yeah, yeah so. we have a text to tip um, program for kids for anybody in school for anything with um bowling violence stuff like that um where that's been huge i think last year i had 117 throughout the school year of text to tips so that's just another outlet for those kids to talk and sometimes it's just to talk just my friend's having a hard time um he or she's depressed can you help her him um so that gives them that outlet where we can help them and find help. Okay, and did you give the number out loud, what the number is? I believe 117. For your, the text to tip for number. For the text to tip for the last, last school year. You know yeah. the number offhand, the text to tip number offhand? Oh, um, 260-7804. 260-7804. Okay. 
2607 We'll put that in the comments for the show comments, too. So. All right, gotcha. Yeah. Well, we're we're coming up on an hour, Mike. Do you got anything for for Brandon? I mean, he's he's an uh, an OG, as I respect, right? you know. I refer to Sergeant Mosier and him. He's been here for a long time. Uh, and he, well, we got him teed up. Yeah, and uh, it's um, again another an, another officer here that's that's is, is real privileged to work with. Uh, he's Brandon's very well respected, especially in, you know the district, the school level. The the level he's taken our SRO program. Um, it's just amazing, and I'm really proud of him and the work he does, and all the tasks that he. Once the plate kind of gets a little empty, then oh, there comes another spoon load, and, and uh, but he's he's always just uh, uh, how how high do I have to jump, and he, and he gets it done. So um, it's 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 uh, it's an honor to to work with them, and um, yeah, I'm just glad he's glad he's part of the team. Yeah. Speed cuffing. We go. Yeah, at least gave me, the, gave me the questions before, you know. So. That's not how it works. No. So, um, <laughs> Mike and I came uh, came up with a little list of some stuff here, and you know what speed cuffing is all about, Brandon. But the rules merely are: we're going to give you thirty seconds to get through as many of these as you're possible that we come up with. If you can't come up with anything, that's okay. You can just pass and come back to it later. But uh, you should have fun with it anyway. So, listeners, we've had, we've had some good feedback from the listeners. They kind of like seeing what you spitball. So. <laughs> Make some stuff up. Okay, we got 30 seconds here on the clock, and as soon as you hear the uh, the music key up, that'll be the first question. Here we go. Truck or pickup? Pickup. Would you rather jump out of a C-130 or a C-17? C-17. Hog hunt or a turkey hunt? Turkey hunt. Is the screaming eagle looking left or right on that patch? Depends which side you wear it on. Traeger or traditional smoker? Traditional. Bay, sorrel, or gray-colored horse? Bay. Name a B-Day parachute drop mission into France? Pass. Ah. That's good. Operation Market Garden? Yeah. I oh, couldn't think of it fast enough. <laughs> so that's good stuff, Brandon. Uh, you have anything to finish up past that? Last comments or from, from your position? Um, no, I'm just hoping for a good school year. Um, go midgets and titans. <laughs> You know, just supporting all the local schools and I think proactive parents, proactive involved parents, right? Yeah, yeah. Have those talks, have those hard talks with the kids. Um, they're like I said, they're seeing all those drugs, alcohol, tobacco stuff on their phones constantly, and everything they watch. So they know about it. So have a conversation with them. Tell them what the dangers of it. Um, give them that out of that peer pressure where they can text you. Have that safe word. Okay. How about for you? Right on. Trying to handle anything? Yeah, that, that, that was good, man. All right. Well, for everybody that tuned in today, we want you to make sure to share it with all of your parent friends, uh, anybody else that you think may benefit from the uh, the conversation. This is what it's all about. Share us, like us. You got us on uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, YouTube, um, our Dickinson PD Facebook page. We're there. Chuck so, Rummel's coming up. Yes. Chuck Rummel, ex-chief of police, Chuck Rummel. Coming up on the next episode, number six. Thanks, everybody. Tune in.